Hello and welcome to level 77 of 3 Extra Lives, a video game and trivia podcast. I'm your host Tom Knight. On this level of the podcast, we have a very special interview that was recorded live on Twitch with one half of the Viking Trickshot dev team, Ethan Close. Ethan joins me as we talk about his interesting switch from one profession into game developing and discussing what it's like launching your first ever indie game. Viking Trickshot is a throwing physics challenge that's tricky to master, set in a bizarre Viking universe, and it's a game I covered back on level 14 in 2019 on this very podcast, when it went under the name Kablamo. Since then, the game's received a lot of updates, it's changed its name to Viking Trickshot, and this has all led to its full release on Steam, including its new main feature, and something I'm very excited about, online multiplayer. I'll join you again after the interview and I hope you enjoy it. But before we do, let's kick off with some trivia. It's trivia time. So there's going to be a bit of a theme with the questions on this podcast because we're talking about Viking Trickshot. So all the questions coming up today are going to be Norse mythology. So here we go. In Norse mythology, what type of bridge reaches between Earth and the realm of the gods? Is it the Light Bridge, the Rainbow Bridge, or the Bridge of Souls. The correct answer is the Rainbow Bridge. The Bifrost is the Rainbow Bridge that connects Asgard, the world of the Azir tribe of gods, with Midgar, the world of humanity. If you got that one right, Give yourself an extra life. Welcome to Playing With The Devs. My name is Tom, and joining me today all the way from Australia is developer of Viking Trickshot, one half of the development team, I might add, Ethan Close. Ethan, thank you very much for being here. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. And Viking Trickshot has just released and you're joining me very at a very, I would say, <laughs> crazy time in the morning to, to be here. Thanks very much, Tom. Excited to be here. Yep, um, it is rather early, but um, yep, it's a good time for me because everyone else is in bed, so I've got some time to be in front of the computer and talk to you. That's awesome. And the reason why we're here is because the game Viking Trickshot, that we're also playing live on stream together, very exciting, Viking Trickshot has just full released on Steam. So yeah, you're one half of the development team on this game. And I know, do you want to just give a little introduction about yourself and how you or how you got into game development? Sure, yeah. Um, so hi everyone, I'm Ethan. Yeah, by, by trade, usually I'm a primary school teacher. So that's, that's what I, well, until recently, that's what I did um, full time. I'd been teaching music at a primary school nearby. Um, I ended up doing game development quite by accident. Um, one of my friends is um, is a programmer and he's he's into to making games. And they needed some music. They were making this mobster-themed game. So um, yeah, I had a go at, at making some music for that just for fun. I had to start by googling what is jazz because uh, <laughs> it was 1920s theme, so so jazz was important. Yeah, and I, and I made some music for that. And I really loved the process. And then, as is often the case, working with indie devs, a lot of time passed, and um, the game never 
came to fruition. I think they went through about three artists and never um, never actually got the game made. So being fed up with nothing happening, I thought I'm going to give the, the art a go myself. Um, so I went and bought an, an Apple Pencil and um, had a go at doing the art, having not drawn anything for quite a long time. And I really enjoyed doing that as well. That was really fun. So when that was finished, I was looking for some new project, something new to do. Sadly, even after I did the art and the music for that game, that game never got made. Oh no. Maybe one day. <laughs> um, so that was a bummer, but um, yeah, at least it, it got me it got me involved in, in making games. So I learned about game jams shortly after that because I was looking for someone new to collaborate with and went along to a game jam just to, to make music. So I took all my guitars and keyboards and, and beers along. Um, and happened to be in a team with Bilal on one of the games. So once I've met Bilal... And just to confirm, Bilal is the other half... Yes, sorry. ...of, of Viking Trickshot, yeah. That's it, Bilal's our, Bilal's our programmer. He does, as he says, the boring stuff, isn't it? He does the, <laughs> the coding and everything like that, and you get to do all the fun stuff. I know, it's, it's a bit rough for, for the programmers, because everything, you know, when, social media and trailers, it's, it's all the visual stuff. You, you never get to see their code. So he does a lot of work, but it's all the invisible stuff, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And, and so cool that you've come from being a teacher to into game dev and just how that you can be in a in a job or profession and then, hey, now, now I'm a game dev, just <laughs> totally changing it up. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I hope, as I, I think I mentioned to you, this is the first game, um, well, the first game that's been released that I've worked on anyway. Um, and the first one that was sort of my Congratulations idea as well, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. We've yet to see any success, but I think just completing a game is, is quite a, a big deal to me. Um, getting it done, um, yeah, I'm quite quite pleased with that. No, it's, a, it's an awesome achievement. I mean, I've, I've only peeked behind the curtain of what actually goes into game development. And people say, like, game development, It sometimes it's just amazing that games actually do get made because of everything that goes into them and now you know we're sitting here we're about to about to play this game and that's because of the work you've done and you know that it's, it's incredible and you know I'm, I'm always in awe of just you know seeing indie developers come through and put you know putting their their love into a game and releasing it out into the world you know and then that's that's a, that's a scary thing to do because that's people seeing like everything that you've you put that blood, sweat, and tears into. For sure, and you do. You know, there's one review that sits around on um, on Steam. It's just one word. It says "whack." I, <laughs> I downvoted that one. If it makes any oh, difference, good. I yeah. did downvote that. <laughs> I'm always open to feedback. I, <laughs> I love to hear why people don't like my game, but um, it's hard to it's hard to be. It's not an actionable um, piece of feedback. Yeah, it's not much you can do with that, is there? <laughs> Like I, I would say there's quite a lot of whacking in Viking Viking Trick <laughs> Shot. You know, yeah. lots of maybe they forgot to rate it positive. They were just That's like, Yeah, it. so much yeah. whack. So much I mean, whacking. Yeah. Whack. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and and all these these characters here, they, they were designed by you, right? They were, yeah. Um some of them well a lot of the, the later unlocks are all based off um Norse gods and and characters. And then a handful are just random humans and things I wanted to throw in and the sheep of course the sheep the sheep yes now I'll, I'll mention a bunch of things about history probably um, there, there's a lot of contested history about Kub and 
Viking stuff and everything, so I'll probably say something that's not quite accurate. But the, the reason the sheep is in there is because, at least at some point, it's thought that Kub uh, developed or was mostly played by farmers and, um, and shepherds. And it was a shepherd's game while they were out hanging out with their sheep. They'd play it to pass the time. So our early levels are sort of set on a farm and there's usually sheep about the place. So um, our, our sheep became a, an important background character and then an important actual character along the way because of that shepherd origin. <laughs> That's awesome. And like you mentioned, this game is based off a real-life game that, that the Vikings used to play, right? This this game of tossing a, a baton to knock down these, these objects. And I still hear it's even being played today. Uh, Bilal was telling me that he like the inspiration for this game actually came from like a, a cub a cub club sorry is it Cooper cub well we say cub um at least in australia and, and the the medieval reenactors that i talked to say cub but i read the okay. other day it said um rhymes with boob on on a website well um, so people know. say cub um Coob. yeah so i i'm not sure i say cub but others say cub it would seem I might have to go with Coob from now on just because you know, that, that's very easy to remember. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's a fun fact. Although we have gotten quite a bit of interest from the Coob um, community. Overseas, it's still a big thing. There's large Coob tournaments. You know, it's a... Yeah, yeah. It's it's a niche, but, you know, it's a it's a sport. Honestly, I feel like if this, like, Coob, there was a Coob club near me, I would play it because I just, like... You know, someone's like, you, you throw, you throw like bits of wood to knock over other bits of wood. I'm like, I'm yeah. in, I'm in. Like I, I would probably make it. something competitive, you know, out of anything, <laughs> but that sounds great. Well, yeah, that's because, um, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned my dad's, um, a medieval reenactor. He's one of those guys that you often see at festivals. Well, at least in Australia you do, um, dressed up doing battle and whatnot. And so they play Cub as part of their reenacting. They reenact the Viking period, among others. Otherwise, yeah, I would never have known anything of Kub. So I learned it from my dad, and I quite, quite enjoyed it. So I started playing it with my friends and family, and yeah, I really enjoy the real game. So when you say the the scene of Kub's quite big, is there like, you know, Kub championships? Is there is there like a Kub World Cup? sort of thing yeah apparently there is um like i've never seen any of this in australia i'm sure um you know i'd be an outrageous coob noob to um to some of the the purists i like that um, noob (laughs) that's what i am right now with this uh with this hammer in my hand i'm coob noobing it coob noobing it um but yeah apparently there's um the I'm not sure if the world championships or national championships um, in the USA are happening very soon. But I've got a, a, Kub, a Kub magazine called Kubon, um, or Kubon, um, that, are, that are keen to cover it, um, and another Kub podcast. That's awesome. The thing is that something like this will come out, and obviously, like, people who play Kub, and like you say, is a niche, is, is very much a niche, and they're going to go, oh, Oh, there's a there's a video game about this now. Awesome! Like I'm gonna I'm gonna go play some video games. But then there's the flip of that as well. Well, there'll be people that play this and go, you know what? I'd like to play this in real life. Like, how do I do that? And you could be starting. You could be inspiring. You know, uh, 
a Coop generation right here. That'd be cool. Yep, that's it. We're the next Tony. I, I want to see Coop at the. Uh, I mean, let's let's be realistic. Let's maybe get you know, <laughs> twelve years or something. But we could see it at the Olympics or something. You know, like out there, it's like, oh yeah, here, here we go with the uh, the Coop for the for the gold medal. It's not totally crazy. I don't think I could see this as an Olympic sport. Sounds good. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Dream big, right? <laughs> what has been one of the the biggest challenges with Viking Trick Shot? Good question. Um. But there has been many. Um, so an early one, Bilal and me both have kids. Um, Bilal didn't when we started the project. So when his son was born, I expected that would kind of be the end of things. But it wasn't. We, we managed to um, managed to come back to it and keep going. Yeah, so certainly time management was a big one um, throughout. Um, and when, when I began the, the, the thing, it, it was the first game, apart from the one that never got made, um, that I'd worked on. I was just drawing things, sending the pictures to Bilal, and he put them in the game, um, and making music, sending it to Bilal. Um, it got to a point where he said, look, he's, he's got time to program, but making the levels and doing all the, the stuff um, takes up a huge amount of time. So the only way he could imagine us getting the game done is if he taught me how to do some of the Unity stuff. Um, and so he did. We, we got together, and um, he taught me a whole bunch about Unity, having never never touched anything like that before. Um, he taught me how to, how to build levels and, and since then I've learnt heaps. There's now lots that I do. Um, probably, you know, wishing he'd, wishing he'd never given me such power because now I can just make <laughs> things and, and put it in and say, check this out! <laughs> and you're like, oh, Ethan, what have you done? Um, but, no, but, yeah, not a he... sheep character, <laughs> Ethan, why? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he, he taught me how to how to do all the Unity stuff. So since then, I've learned how to how to animate and how to how to do lots of things. Um, our very first edition was just sort of a still picture of a dude with a, an arm that moved. Um, yeah, so I've had a lot of fun crafting all the all the doodads and learning how to animate. Um, every everything in here is kind of my first time at doing something. It, it's not always consistent. There's a, <laughs> the, the art style's a bit all over the place, um, but. Yeah, so definitely that, that that biggest early challenge was learning how to do all this stuff for me and, and Bilal having to be a very patient and helpful teacher so that we could actually manage our time and, and get it done. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. And it, I, I kind of like how your challenge now turns into, you know, a really big asset because obviously having to be put into situations where you do have to learn other things as well, like going forward into fingers crossed your your next game that you you go into and it's like well i have all this experience from this first game now and some things might take me a little less time and then hey maybe i've got more time now to work on the learning this other new thing or something like that definitely yeah i'm, I'm a bit addicted to learning new things as soon as i i can kind of do one thing i think yeah what else can i do um so i i've got a few um Got a few solo projects I'm working on now, um, so learning to code is my next my next endeavor. So then you'll just be able to do everything. You'll be doing the the art, the music, the coding, the Ethan's <laughs> Ethan's one man band. Yeah, that's it. It's it's slow going when you're doing everything, though. <laughs> but um, it is fun. One one of my favorite new um, features of, of this version is when you hit a cub. They they wave their little hands. That was that was my daughter's suggestion. That one. She said, "When you hit them, they really should go like this." Um, my daughter, <laughs> my daughter Millie, um, she's eight, and she's really 
she's really into games as well, and we, we play a lot That's together. Cool. Often she'll just ask me to put a game on so she can watch me play it. At the moment, Octageddon is our is our game of choice. She gets me to sit and play it. She'll tell me what tentacles to choose and stuff. <laughs> um, so I quite enjoy having Millie as my ideas person. Oh, that's so cool. You you could be shaping another game dev yeah, for the future then? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, she's my cuteness consultant at the moment. Um, me and Bilal are working hey, on... Hey, I feel like every every <laughs> indie developer needs a cuteness consultant. Definitely, definitely. Like, like it's a very important thing, making your game cute. We're, we're working um, out of nowhere when we were close to having Viking Trickshot ready to go. Bilal just came and said, do you want to make this... His fish game. <laughs> he wanted to make a fish game for his um, his toddler. Um, just a game where you're a little fish and you swim around and you meet other fish and, and they say what they are and stuff. Um, so Millie's been my cuteness consultant on that one. It's trivia time. Let's pull away from the interview for a brief moment. I hope you are enjoying everything that it's offering so far, but it's time for some trivia again. In Norse mythology, the Norse god Odin has a very special horse. But how many legs does Odin's horse have? Is it four, eight, twenty, or one hundred? The correct answer is eight. Sleipnir was grey in colour and thanks to his eight legs had the ability to traverse the nine worlds of the Norse cosmos. If you got that one right, give yourself an extra life. And now, back to the interview. Has there been anything, you know, maybe in like pop culture or, you know, anything like that that's, that's kind of worked its way for the inspiration behind anything? Oh, good question. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, certainly, you know, as a as a youngin, I was always into sort of the the player versus player kind of your, your street fighters and your Mortal Kombat's and stuff. Um, so I, I think some of the the victory animations and things like that. Yeah. So to some extent, you know, I think there's kind of a family friendly Mortal Kombat vibe that I wanted to work in as well. There's no there's no beheadings yet. <laughs> not yet. Whoa, you heard it here first. Not yet. <laughs> As well, you know, in in the early planning days, you know, there's definitely some similarities to Angry Birds here with throwing stuff and knocking down stuff. The mechanics quite yeah. different. Um, but yeah, early on we sort of imagined like a an Angry Birds cross worms sort of. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely get the, those vibes as well, like Angry Birds and especially worms. Like I, I grew up. Like my experience playing Worms was like Worms Armageddon on the, oh, on the yeah. PlayStation, and just when you go to aim a baton in this, it just reminds me of like trying to get that perfect shot with a grenade in Worms yeah. or something like that, yeah. and just that satisfaction when you when you did pull it off. Yeah, Worms was definitely an inspiration, and I think it was probably one of the first sort of two-player games that I was really into. Um, me and my dad used to play that when I was a young, and it was the, the very first original Worms. Yeah, I think we got a demo of it or something, and at first we had no idea what we were doing. We didn't realise you were supposed to hold down to power up. We just tapped the button and you just dropped a missile on your feet and died. Um, yeah, so I, I have very fond memories of playing Worms with my dad as a kid. So 
part of the inspiration for this one was to, to make something simple and fun that I could play with my kids as well. I love the fact that something, you know, like that inspiration of playing with your dad and the memories that that, that creates as well and just that, that special feeling of you know, sharing that when you're a lot younger and then trying to replicate that in, in a way as well in your in your own way. Like, I think that's really, really special. And I think like having that almost at the, you know, the heart of what you're doing as well, I think it, it absolutely shows. But what is like your, your favorite aspect of this game? I know we've touched on, you know, just the fact that you wanted to make a game that was like family friendly and you can, you know, play it with a, a friend or a family member and have a lot of fun. But what would you say is like your favorite aspect of this game? Yeah, good question. I, I think... I like that it is very, you know, it's, it's essentially a one-button game, you know, there's, there's just tap, hold and release, but it's also quite challenging, so I, I think I, I like that simplicity mixed with great difficulty. Um, and also, as a, as a parent and a gamer, playing games that you can play one-handed has become quite, uh, quite a niche for me. Um, Actually, when two of my kids were babies, and you, you spend a lot of your life holding a baby in one hand and rocking, um, I used to play... Have you played Patapon? Uh, I haven't. No? Oh, it's Patapon's a, a fun game. It's on PlayStation, um, probably other things. Um, and you, you control this little army, and you, you control their actions through music. So you play a, a different drum beat for attack and retreat and defense and, and all that sort of thing. And you can play it with just one hand, because you just tap in the, the rhythms. Um, so when when my kids were were babies, that was my go-to game because I could have a baby in one hand, a controller here, and, and I could be jiggling back and forward to the beat and playing patapon. <laughs> yeah, and and um, I've had I had a parent just the other day. Um, one of the the cub enthusiasts. He was up at 3 a.m., baby in one hand, playing Viking Trickshot in the other. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so it, being a game that's challenging, but you can also play one-handed. Um, is is something that I think is is novel and cool about our game. I can't say I was expecting that answer, but <laughs> I love it, you know. And also just that that family aspect coming into it again. That just from such a from such a warm place, the, the game has come together and being able to you know assist people up at three a.m. with their babies. It's, it's doing a great service. It's doing a great service right there. Oh, there's so many crazy things that from mythology I wanted to include but never really figured out a way to. Odin's got like an eight-legged horse that he gets around on, which I thought, oh, that'd be rad, we need an eight-legged horse in this game. Um, and Thor has a pet goat um, that he eats every night, but it comes back to life. So it's like it's a special bond. Once a day he gets hungry, he's like, sorry, bud, and he, he chows down and has a feast. And the next day, they're, they're buds again. Um, that's a really weird one. That's pretty weird, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm glad it comes back yeah. for him, but... But it just like, doesn't seem like a fun existence for that shit. No, it doesn't. Does it? it doesn't really, does it? So you, you did tell me about like one of your earliest video game memories, like playing playing Worms with your with your dad. But do you have any other early video game memories that are quite fun yeah, to so, you? I was thinking about that. Um... The, the very, I think the first video game memory I have, well, there, there, might, be, there might be more than one first. <laughs> the first one that came to mind at least um, was of Alex Kidd. I was at my auntie's place as a kid and they had a master system and they had Alex Kidd, which was the built-in game. 
Yes. Um, and it blew my mind. I'd never seen anything like it. Um, and I think maybe that Christmas we got a master system and we got we got Alex Kidd built in and um, we also had Moonwalker. Did you ever play any of the Moonwalker games? Moonwalker as in... As in Michael Jackson. There was a yes, number of Michael so Jackson Yes, so I was games. hoping you were going to say that. Moonwalker has a very special place in my heart oh, because awesome. Moonwalker is the first game I ever completed. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was a cool game. And the, and the 8-bit Michael Jackson hits were Yes, I was literally about to say, like, I was so, like, obsessed with Michael Jackson as well. But, like, I didn't have any CDs or anything, you know, and this is before <laughs> Spotify or anything <laughs> like that. So I remember, like, being in my living room and then on the, on the options screen, just listening to the, the 8-bit versions of Michael Jackson songs, just dancing away and thinking yep. life was great. That was, back, think... you know, back when things were a lot simpler. <laughs> I even, um, you know, because we, we had cassettes and, and I think we must have had the master system hooked up to the, the stereo. I even um, tape recorded those 8-bit Michael Jackson hits so that we could listen to them on tape. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay. You've taken it, you it a step further, Ethan. You took it a step further right <laughs> I there. it too far. I thought I was the super fan, but clearly, here's my crown, Ethan. It belongs to you now. It's trivia time. And speaking of Odin, who we mentioned in the last question, in Norse mythology, which majestic hall was ruled over by Odin? The correct answer is Valhalla. If you got that one right, give yourself an extra life. Thank you so much to Ethan for joining me on this interview. You can find Ethan on Twitter at Ethan Close or on Instagram at Ethan Close Games. You can find Viking Trick Shot on Steam and I really highly encourage you to go check it out. It's so much fun and I've been enjoying playing it in single player and also online. It's just so much fun. I cannot recommend that you go check out some Viking Trick Shot action. I'll include all the information mentioned in this level in the show notes over at 3extralifes.com. And as always, if you have any feedback about the show, you can email podcast at 3extralifes.com. You can find us on social media at 3extralifes. Or we've got a Discord, which you can find all the details for absolutely everything over at 3extralifes.com. I really hope you enjoyed this level of 3 Extra Lives, and I will see you all in level 78!